Well, good morning, Greenwich, and welcome to the Thursday, December 1st edition of the Basement Academy. December. Wow. Where did November go, huh? Where did this year go? Well, thanks for taking a few minutes out of your day. Um, let's dive into our morning psalm. It's an important psalm. It's one that I encourage you to memorize. It's not that difficult. I think it is familiar to us. Uh, psalm 1 reads this way. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Hmm. Psalm 1. Uh, it's important, uh, Psalm, for lots of reasons, but it, it bids us or invites us into this Torah word-centered life, building our lives upon uh, the Word of God, meditating day and night. And that's really what this Basement Academy is about, trying to encourage us to think Christianly about our lives and the world in which we live. And so to that end, I've been offering some random and not so random thoughts about sports and how they're changing and changing us, particularly the money and sports gambling and, and some of those things. Um, top 10 ideas for evangelism coming out of the PCUSA and not one mention of the cross. So if you didn't listen to that one or didn't listen all the way through, please go back and listen to Tuesday. And then the Augustine School Statement on Social Theory, a way of trying to graciously speak the truth to uh, a reality. So that's... Um, uh, interesting reflection there. Probably a lot more to have been said on that one. Today, I want to say some things that I'm sure will upset probably just about everybody. I will say some provocative things. I'm, I'm not intending to be provocative, but as I share the thoughts, because I've been kind of working some thoughts through, I, I expect they will be provocative. Now, I want to hear and heed the counsel of Psalm 1. I do not wish to sit in the seat of the mocker, but I want to talk about the, the election, the recent election, and particularly how elections, in my opinion, reveal or expose hypocrisy, or maybe probably better, softer to say, inconsistencies. Inconsistencies that we have, right? And, and how we vote and how we believe. And so, revealing hypocrisy and inconsistency and idolatry. So, I'm thankful for the fact that we can participate in the electoral process, choosing our leaders from the local level and town council here in Haymarket, all the way up to the highest office in the land. We get to participate. I'm thankful for that. Um, 
but elections have become a little bit nauseating in some ways. The, the, the tone and intensity, the, the frequency of the ads into our mailboxes and on our televisions and in our YouTube feeds and the like, we're just bombarded by these negative ads calling each other names and, and all of this. And so this, I just you know, found myself in the run-up to the election in the, the, the last couple of weeks since reflecting on some realities. Um, I, I saw this post in, some, in, in one of my Facebook friends' feed. I, I, I couldn't go back and track it down uh, to, to get the exact quote, but it was something like this. If you question another person's faith because of their politics, then politics has become your faith. Let me say that again. If you question another person's faith because of their politics, then politics has become your faith. If you vote this way and you hear a Christian brother or sister votes a different way and you wonder if they're a Christian at all because of how they voted, then your Christianity has gotten confused. That's, that's what it's, it's suggesting. If winning the political game is central to your faith, winning an election is a central reality and expression of your faith, then probably your faith has become a little twisted around the axle of politics, right? And so the political game is so enticing, it's alluring, it sucks us in, it pulls us in, and there's often kind of a vortex of emotions and thoughts, and it does confuse us with regard to our faith. And so I believe this is where idolatry kind of sneaks in. Um, the, you know, idolatry comes in all shapes and sizes, and, and I say that somewhat literally, shapes and sizes. You know, you've got statues and totem poles and carvings and all, all kinds of things that the ancient people treated as gods. And so they would go make their offering to their idol, and then they believed that idol would give them power or freedom or some ability, right? They would prosper in some way. But the essence of idolatry is something we can manipulate, something that is man-made that we can manipulate to gain power. And so the key is idolatry is about power. It's about gaining power for ourselves. And so where politics moves towards the idolatrous is we think if we do these you know, activities, if we spend this money, if we get out the vote, then we can win the power. And when we win the power, we'll get what we want. This is the essence of idolatry. Okay, so, so a cautionary word there to the reality of, of our political game. But what I want to think with you about that will probably upset you, <laughs> I want to think about how, as Christians, okay, so I'm speaking as Christians, to Christians and a as a Christian, the inconsistencies that probably border on hypocrisies that are revealed or exposed on both sides of the ideological spectrum. 
conservatives and progressives or liberals, okay? So no matter where you are on the theological, ideological spectrum, elections often have a way of exposing the inconsistencies that we hold. So the hypocrisies or inconsistencies of the right are exposed around this whole thing about morality. We want our um, elected officials to be people of good character and faith and, and the like. We want, we want godly people to be leading our nation and our communities, etc. And so we, we, we hearken back to the Clinton presidency and the challenges that he had, obviously, because of his behavior and his involvement with uh, an intern named Monica Lewinsky and all of the outcry that, that happened on the, on the conservative camp that he is no longer fit for office. We need people of the highest moral and upright character to be uh, in the Oval Office. But it's funny how a couple election cycles later, when the candidate is Donald Trump, <laughs> whose character is and morals are obviously um, a suspect, uh, saying that graciously, um, the concern for morality and character well, there's an inconsistency there. It's about policies. It's about, you know, what, you know, that, that, that Trump stands for the right kind of policies. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't be interested in policies, and policy does matter. It's the inconsistency of calling out one person and then ignoring it when it's so calling out the other team's person, but ignoring it when it's your person. That inconsistency is what I'm talking about. Okay, and so again, the allure of power, having that political power, will make us do some things that that we probably otherwise wouldn't. The inconsistency or the hypocrisies, and so kind of extending again the, the kind of the conservative approach from a Christian standpoint is that we want this to be a moral nation, a godly nation. I'm going to talk tomorrow a little bit about Christian nationalism. So I want to leave that aside for now. But this, this effort to kind of, we want to see America return to some moral foundations, a concern for, for the drift that has happened. And so there's often a call out around particular issues like abortion, uh, human sexuality, marriage, you know, uh, the, the, the prevalence uh, and expansion of, of, of marriage to, to include gays and, and probably other kinds of arrangements. And so Christians have often, you know, called that out as uh, evidence of the moral decline of our society. And so we want to elect candidates that are pro-life and they're for traditional marriage and the like, okay? So I don't, I don't fault that kind of thinking. The inconsistency is this, that if we want morality, we want godliness at the highest level, where is our concern for the poor? Where is our concern for gun violence? Where is our concern for the impact of race and racism uh, that, that is real in our society in this long history? And the conservative voice is conspicuously silent or muted on those kind of issues because those feel more like the other side's issues, right? justice and equality and fairness, um, 
And so that's what I mean, the inconsistency. And so we pick and choose, as, as conservatives, we pick and choose the moral issues that we think signal um, decline uh, of our society and a need to return to a moral foundation, all the while turning a blind eye to gun violence. We cry, Second Amendment. I, I get that. But are our hearts not broken over the shootings in schools? And, you know, the UVA recently had, had another shooting. And so, so this inconsistency on the right is, again, the election exposes this, okay? But let, lest uh, we think I'm trying to be partisan here, um, uh, there's an inconsistency there are inconsistencies on the left as well, okay? The ideological progressive or, or, or liberal side of things. Again, I'm speaking to Christians, okay? And so <clears throat> many of my presbytery colleagues and others, uh, you know, I, I heard along with the, the, the advertisers, the political advertisers, this election is the most important election. It's the fight for democracy. The, the, the ideological left framed this election as really the fight to keep our uh, nation free and the concern for fascism. If we let those Republicans win, then we might become fascist and we will no longer be free and democracy is under attack. And so it's concerned for freedom and, and democracy <clears throat> and making sure all the voices are at the table. But I find it so interesting because it is the ideological left that is on the rise in our schools and in our universities, in our corporations. The call for diversity, equity, and inclusion is growing, and that comes from the ideological left. And, and many of my Christian friends uh, on, the, on the progressive side are strong advocates uh, of this movement. But this is precisely where what we might call cancel culture is coming from. If you do not subscribe to, if you don't give voice to the proper kind of diversity, it's not diversity of thought on college campuses. You know, I mean, I thought that's what colleges were for, right? To, to promote free uh, intellectual pursuit. And so we debate ideas, but, but now it is the forces on the left <laughs> that are crying for freedom, but they're the ones who are silencing voices that no longer abide by the narrative of diversity, equity, and inclusion, calling out uh, the oppressors um, and the like. Uh, the concern for fascism ironically, is lifted up mostly on the left, at least as I've been hearing it. And yet, in government, and in industry, in the entertainment world, and sports, everybody is now coming forward with this diversity, equity, and inclusion agenda. And anyone who holds the, a traditional view on marriage or human sexuality, uh, anyone who is concerned for you know, the security of our borders. It's not about no immigration. It's about legal immigration. If you raise those kind of voices, we need to silence that. And so there's an inconsistency on the ideological left, I perhaps bordering on hypocrisy, saying it's all about democracy and freedom, and then 
it's it's been called I've heard it say the illiberalism of the liberal left. Um, another way I have seen this is um, the the cry trust the science. And so that language has mostly come, I think, from the ideological left, not exclusively, but, but I think more, more clearly, around the pandemic, the masks, vaccines, um, maybe the longer uh, language around this has been around climate change and, and, and concern for um, anthropogenic, you know, man-made um, uh, impact on the environment. And so we're told to trust the science. But then the left is also advancing the transgender phenomenon. And where's the science on the transgender phenomenon? Um, medicalizing treatment of children with puberty blockers and other surgeries, again, children, not, not adults, but children, sometimes without the awareness of their parents. Schools working to support the child in their, as they uh, give voice to it. But where's the science on transgenderism? How could it be that there is this almost exponential explosion of uh, the, the reality of gender dysphoria and uh, children wishing to change genders. Where's the science on gender identity itself? And so we're called to trust the science, but then we have pseudoscience at best that is standing behind the rise of this social phenomenon, if not a social contagion. And so doctors and therapists and school counselors and others who may wish to question uh what is the best treatment approach for a child, they themselves may actually find that their, uh, their, their uh, livelihood, their, their job, their licensing uh, called into question and, and, and challenge merely for raising the question. So again, it's all about freedom. It's all about democracy. It's all about, we, we don't want fascism, but you can't question certain uh, matters uh, in our society. And so this is what I mean. So elections bring these kind of issues to the fore. They, they, they bring the issues of the day kind of to the ballot box. And, and, and we're forced to choose. <laughs> and, and, and so I find inconsistencies maybe we could call it hypocrisies, again, amongst Christians. And so, as I've argued before, we Christians have a higher calling. We are Christians before we are Republicans or, or Democrats. And so, but see, this is where maybe when, when we question another person's faith, their Christian faith, because of how they vote, that itself is a hypocrisy <laughs> because now we're saying the most important thing about a person is their political identity and their political affiliation, not their Christian identity. And so that's wrong. And so as Christians, we need to confront this. And so we're kind of back to the logs and specs thing because of the effect of sin in our lives we have this enormous capacity for self-delusion. Um, 
the, 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 the denial of reality, self-deception. We can deceive ourselves around the truth. We can, you know, kind of twist our understanding of Scripture to fit our political leanings. And this ought not be so. And so let us examine ourselves. Let us examine the inconsistencies of our preferred political team, right? Whether we prefer the blue team or the red team, it doesn't matter to me, okay, who, who you prefer. Um, what I care is about Christ in your life, right? And so I believe there are policies uh, in both parties that are worthy of advocating and supporting. And I believe there are policies in both parties that we ought not as, as Christians uh, uh, be, be supportive of. And that's the challenge. We kind of have this political binary. And so it's this idea of, of not, um, not trying to correct the other person. Let us correct ourselves. Let us, let us be as rigorous and robust um, and courageous about our own inconsistencies. Let's get the log out of our own eye. Let's speak to our own team. Yeah, I know this is, you know, probably what's best, but I'm really concerned about the character of, of, of our candidate, and that, that really does trouble me because character does matter. But, it's, but call out the character of our, your own preferred candidate. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm excited about the policies here, but I am a little concerned as a Christian, I wish it were different in this regard. And so that's harder work, which is generally probably why we don't do the work, right? So anyway, this, this is what I've been thinking about, that as we go to the ballot box uh, every couple of years, that I don't want to discourage you from voting your conscience, but what I would encourage you to do is to examine your conscience in light of these scriptures and in light of your Christian identity. And let me encourage you to be as consistent as possible and call out your own side and, and then be as kind and gracious towards those who may think differently, who may vote in a different way. Do not question their faith. Question their politics, okay? <laughs> But don't question their faith. Rather, treat that person as a Christian sister or brother. Celebrate the unity that we have in Christ across the political spectrum and the ideological spectrum. And let us reaffirm that it is in Christ and in Christ alone that we find our hope, our identity, and our salvation. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Uh, for the freedom that we enjoy in this country, the freedom to participate uh, in the elections of uh, our officials from the lowest local offices to the highest office of the land, give us grace and courage and humility and wisdom to know how to address our own inconsistencies. Guard us from idolatry, political idolatry, or any other form of idolatry. And let us humbly follow Jesus, who transcended the spectrum, who transcended uh, the groups and the tribes. And he called uh, people like us uh, to participate in a new humanity. And so, Lord, uh, make it so. Make it so, we pray. In the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May God bless you. May God keep you. May God give you grace and courage and humility to get that log out of your eye and pray that I would do the same. May it be so this day and forevermore. Amen.